So as we're beginning, I just want to remind parents that we need to be living out the gospel practically to our children and involving them in these things from the time they are young so that they understand them. So like uh, my son Holden this morning we were, we were talking about the seriousness of partaking of the Lord's Supper last night and, and he informed my wife and I that he needed to apologize to a friend of his whom he had pushed yesterday without apologizing to. And I was really pleased to hear him be honest and, and, and share that with us. But we as parents, we have that responsibility. We need to be walking them through these things. Okay, because this is the real Christian life. And it is up to you, it's your responsibility to make sure your, your children understand these things. All right, we are back in Nehemiah today. And today we're going to begin by reading in chapter 1. From verse 4 up to verse 11. And I'm just going to ask Musumba to, to read in Luganda. For, for, for the sake of time and English readers, chapter 1. Chapter 1, Nehemiah. Chapter 1, verse 4 up to verse 11. Chapter 1, verse 4 up to verse 11. Chapter 1, verse 4 up to verse 11. Akwata endagano okusasira eri abo abamwagala nabakwata ebiragiro biye okutuko kulire no namasogo gazibuke obulire okusaba ku omuduwo kwensaba mumasogo mubiro bino emisana nechiro olwabana bayisirayiri abadubo nganjatula ebibibi ebibibi byabana bayisirayiri Bebakuonona, wewa unze, ne nyumba ya chitange, twayonona, twakola, ebiobuchia chamu, enyo, jori. So, tetuwa kuata, bila girobio, ne wankubade amatekago, ne wankubade emisango, bie walagira, omuduo, musa. Nkwegairi de, jukira, echigambo che walagira, omuduo, musa. Ngoyogeranti. Bemuna Bemuna Sobianga Nabasa Nabasa Nizanga Dala Mumawanga Na ye Bemuna Komanga Wojendi Ne Nemukwatanga Ibiragirobiange Nemubikola Nemwankuba de Nga Ngaba 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 Mwe 
abago aga ngaba mwe abago bebwa ngabana abanga kunkomerero eyeguru na ye nabakunganyanga kubanga nembaletanga ne muchifo chenerooza okutuuza omo erinyalyange kale bano bebaddubo era bebantubo bewanunula nobuyinza bwo obunji nomukono gwo ogwamanyi ai mukama nkwegayiride okutuko kulire no okusaba kwo muduwo no kusaba kwo kwa baddubo abasanyukira okutia erinyalyo owe omuduwo omukisalero omuwe okusasirwa mu maso go musajja ono era nali musenero wa kabaka now i hope i hope that everyone has read through this book at least once or twice by now it's not such a long book. It's, it's not so hard to read through. And as you know, we've been focusing on leadership. And our point about godly leadership in today's study is that a godly leader depends on God. And the way our dependence on God is manifest is in our prayer life. If you're familiar with Nehemiah, his prayer life has probably stood out to you. In fact, it seems like Nehemiah's immediate response to almost every situation was to pray and to draw on God's power for help. One of the great temptations for leaders is the temptation of pride and self-reliance. The Bible gives us many examples of people who failed because they began to trust in themselves rather than God. Samson was a man who God appointed to lead before he was ever born. His parents were told he was a special child. He was to live under a Nazarite vow. Which involved him not cutting his hair and not touching strong drink and keeping him keeping himself pure in several ways the unique ability god gave to samson was to make him supernaturally strong you know the, the 
people have created stories. And movies where we, we've created these characters that have supernatural speed or supernatural strength. But Samson actually had supernatural strength. There was a time he was locked inside the gates of a Philistine city. And Samson just broke the posts of the gate off. And he carried away the gates and posts together. Once he was attacked by a lion, and the Bible says Samson grabbed it with his hands and tore it as if it was a baby goat. He was once attacked by the Philistines. While he was bound with ropes. And Samson just tore the ropes from his arms. Picked up the jawbone of a donkey. And killed a thousand Philistines with that jawbone. But was Samson very mindful of doing things the way God wanted him to do them? No, Samson was rather a loose character who enjoyed indulging in relationships with Philistine women and prostitutes. He didn't mind defiling himself with honey from the lion's dead body. That he as a Jew and Nazarite was not supposed to touch. So Samson was a man who by the strength God gave him seemed to begin living by his own set of rules. And in church leaders, I have seen many who begin living by their own set of rules. They rebuke others for being immoral. But when they themselves are immoral, it's as if they think, I'm in a different category. Because I have these gifts. Samson's strength made him proud. And he forgot he was not the source of his strength. To the point that when God actually left him, Samson didn't know that God had left him. In Judges chapter 13, verse number 20, it says, Delilah said to Samson, The Philistines have come for you, Samson. 
And Samson woke from his sleep. Samson and said, Nagama. I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. What do you notice is the difference in the way Nehemiah responded to trouble and the way Samson responded to that trouble? Nehemiah's first response was always to do what? To pray. God help me. All through, all through the book, you see him keep on saying, so I prayed to my God. So I prayed to my God. When Samson faces a difficult situation, what does he say? I'm just going to go out like I always do. But he didn't know that God had left him. And so the strongest man ever was embarrassed by falling victim to a prostitute. When the Israelites were going to enter the promised land, God gave them very strict instructions that they were not to leave any of the peoples of Canaan in the land. He warned them seriously. If you mingle with those people, they will turn your hearts away from me. And, and they will be the source of your destruction. But as the Israelites were winning victory after victory over the the Bible tells us this is what they did. In Judges chapter 1 verse 28, it says, When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor. So they made them slaves. But did not drive them out of the land. What did confidence do to these Israelites? They compromised. They said, no, we, we, these people, we, we, won't, we won't be turned by them. And we can, make them. we can make them our slaves. They can dig for us. They can cut our wood. What did that decision cause in Israel's history? Rather than destroying these idolatrous people, the idolatrous people ended up destroying Israel. The Israelites believed they could mingle with these people and not be affected. The Israelites believed they could mingle with these people and not be affected. 
Do some do Christians sometimes? Aber Christiano Rusi convince themselves that worldly things will have no impact on them. Because we are so spiritually mature and sanctified. I say to myself, you know I'm a pastor. So for me I can go minister to those prostitutes in the lodges in their place of work. And for, for me you know I've been given a double portion of the Holy Spirit. So, so I won't fall into temptation. No, the Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, let any person who thinks he stands be careful lest, lest he falls. Lest he falls. Be careful when you think you stand because it's when you're very confident that you fall. You know, um, before I came here, I had no experience riding a motorbike on these Maram roads. And when I first got our boda, it was dry season. So I became very confident riding on dry Maram roads. And then one Sunday, we had heavy rain. And so I left Aunt Alana at home. And I rode through the rain myself. And when I turned on this junction coming to Lubumba, I was going around along just as fast as I normally would. And suddenly I hit mud. And the bike just went like this. And I went sliding along until my body came to a stop. And then I picked myself up. Thankfully I was wearing rain gear so that I, 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 I didn't get my church clothes muddy, but all of my, my rain jacket my pants. I was just it in and then when I got up and I began to go, you know, the bike was going like this. The whole time. So then I was very, very careful. I went like this the whole time. It's, it's when you think you are okay that then failure comes. It's when you think, I know what I'm doing. And you forget you need God for everything. That's when you fall. When David sinned with Bathsheba, where was his army? His, his army had gone to fight against Ammon. Why wasn't David there leading them? He was confident. He was confident. You know, we have defeated everyone. I don't need to go. And it was that moment 
where the opportunity for temptation came. Believing that we are incapable of failure and relying on ourselves so much that we will even compromise what God has told us, is a sure way to failure. The Bible warns us with these verses on pride and self-confidence. In Proverbs 26, verse 12, God says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than him. In other words, the biggest fool is the one who believes he knows everything. Have you ever talked to someone? And you young people, this is something that you are especially guilty of. I remember my siblings and I, we used to frustrate our dad because he would try to warn us or instruct us how to do something. And we'd say to him, I already know, dad. And my dad would finally throw up his hands and say, well, if you already know, then go ahead. And see if I sympathize with you when you fail. There's no bigger fool than the person who says, Oh, I already know. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 13 says, Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. You know, it's, it's a trap for you in leadership. When God gives you success, the trap can be that you believe you are the cause of your success. And so at some point, you can no longer listen to anyone. And you no longer seek God's help for everything. And you know what you start to get? You start to get fake fruit. Because anything that you produce is not of God. We need to be humble. We've seen that God has given us, the church, a vision for the work we are to do. We've seen that it is God's word that gives us the instructions for how to carry out the vision. We've seen God calls us to serve, not in our own ability, but in a willingness to obey him. But now we must ask ourselves, who are we trusting in to enable us to accomplish the work? The book of Nehemiah begins with prayer. 
And Nehemiah continues to pray throughout the book. Nehemiah gives us a couple of keys to, to successful dependence on God in that opening prayer we read. First, we see that reliance on God requires a proper assessment of ourselves. Relying on God requires a proper assessment of me, myself. Who does Nehemiah acknowledge is the cause for the troubles that Israel was in? He confesses that it is through the people's sin, right? We are in this situation because of our own behavior. And notice he doesn't distance himself from his nation's sin. He doesn't say, you know, it's because of all those bad Israelites that sin a lot. No, he mentions himself in the group. He says, we have sinned. We have failed. God gives us this instruction on proper self-estimation in Romans chapter 12 verse 3. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. It says for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. To truly depend on God, you need to see the reality of your own weakness. Do you understand that? I've, I've interviewed many people at Eagle's Wings who are applying for jobs. And you know, on most job applications, People are, people are asked to list their strengths and then to also tell us about your weaknesses. And I've noticed that most times people list many strengths and very few weaknesses. Because we don't want to be too honest, right? After all, we're trying to get them to hire us, not yes, to, not to not hire us. And so even, even when people list weaknesses, 
They will even list weaknesses like this. Oh, you know, uh, sometimes I have a habit. I stay too long at the job site and I work far too many hours. And, and they say something like, you know, I can't, I can't abide other people being dishonest. I'm impatient when other people are sinning. And when people say things like that, well, I, I, I say, well, at least I can see this person has a true weakness with honesty. In John 15, 5, Jesus tells us, I am the vine. I am the source. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Without God, what can we do? Absolutely nothing. Not a single thing. We need God for everything. So there's nothing, no matter how small, that we should trust in our ability to perform. We need to seek God's power. And the way we do that is through prayer. Our Lord gave us this example to follow in his own prayer life. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible tells us about Jesus' prayer life. It says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Jesus had a habit of rising while others slept to spend time alone with his father. Before he chose his 12 disciples, the Bible, the Bible explains Jesus did this. In Luke 6, verse 12 and 13, it says, In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. And he continued in prayer to God all night. And when the day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. If our Lord, if Jesus himself thought it was necessary to continue all night in prayer about choosing his apostles and he even mentioned that in John 6 that he chose Judas Iscariot, the devil 
If that's what Jesus did before a decision, how important do you think it is for you and I to depend on God through prayer? The second key Nehemiah gives us is that Nehemiah's estimation of himself and his people did not limit his faith in God's ability to work through them. Do you understand that? Nehemiah looked at himself and said, we can do nothing. But he looked to God and he said, with God, we can do anything. And that is the proper perception of God in prayer. Nehemiah didn't pray and say, you know, since I'm a cupbearer, you know, God, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm going to ask the king if he can find a man to go and, and rebuild the city. No, he asked the king to be allowed to go himself. To be away for a certain amount of time to rebuild a city with a long history of rebellion. And even asked the king to pay for the project himself. Thus we see the, the second key in correct dependence on God is understanding there's nothing too hard for God. All things are possible with him. Our inability places no limit on God's ability. Again, our Lord gives us a great example of this. Jesus prayed what I believe was the most impossible prayer of all time. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was arrested, Jesus prayed like this in Mark 14, 36. Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. The reason I think this is the most impossible prayer is because Jesus is asking to change what all of biblical prophecy had led up to. The first mention of Jesus crushing the serpent's head 
Echisoke chogeru akonti Yesu aribe tenta omu etweli ya setan. It was all the way back in Genesis 3. Echuchai ngo okuvile dela kulubelebedi. And for thousands of years, God had been leading up to this point where Jesus was going to suffer for our sins. So did God have a lot invested in that? And yet what does Jesus pray? All things are possible for you. You can do anything. That's the example Jesus gives us. There's nothing God cannot do. Nehemiah's trust in God led him to confidently, confidently speak to his people through every occasion. When it was time to build, Nehemiah said, God's going to strengthen our hands. When it was time to fight, God's, Nehemiah said, God's going to fight for us. When he needed discernment, when his adversaries were, were seeking to deceive him, he gave credit that it was God who kept him from falling into their hands. Arrogant leaders respond to problems raised by people by coming up with their own solutions. And I want to ask you fathers that are here. When a problem comes in your house, do you first reach to your bank account? Or to your God? Do you, do you, do you, the bank, the bank account is empty, so I have to reach, I have to reach out to God, right? The book of Nehemiah begins with prayer, continues in prayer, and concludes with prayer. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Every work, should begin by being submitted to God in prayer. We should humbly seek God's direction and blessing. Then what comes? The continuation of prayer as we take steps of faith believing God is with us. We see Nehemiah praying in chapter 1 and then what does he do in chapter 2 in faith? says he was sad in the king's presence for the first time, remember? And then in chapter 2, verse 4, 
The king says to Nehemiah, What are you asking me? What are you requesting? And what does Nehemiah say? So I prayed to the God of heaven. This is what Judge Abel used to refer to as an arrow prayer. Nehemiah didn't have time to say, let me go first, pray and fast, and then I'll return. But even though he had no time, he still prayed first. That's his example. He had to respond to the king right away, but before he did, he says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. So the steps Nehemiah began to take in faith remained supported by his dependence on God. As I mentioned, that, that expression is used several times in the book. Challenges came, and Nehemiah responded by praying to the God of heaven. If a, if a work is of man, if a work comes from man, it will fail. Unless the Lord builds the house, what's the rest? The builders labor in vain. You're going to build something that falls over. Church, for us, for us to do a work absent of seeking God in prayer and without continuing that work in prayer is, is to labor in futility. What we're doing will lead to nothing. The work will not be sustained. And when trials come, they will blow our work over. But what is done through the Lord, and in the power of His might, cannot be moved. Now what do I mean by a work of God concluding in prayer? The closure in what we've been praying for and stepping out in faith in is to look with joyful praise and thanksgiving for how God has answered. What was the first prayer request Nehemiah made in the book? He asked that he would find grace in the sight of the king, right? Did God answer that prayer? Amen, he did. Amen. The king did everything Nehemiah asked for. But then, did everything go right for Nehemiah from that point on? No, Nehemiah and his people came under lots of attack, lots of opposition. Their enemies seek to discourage them. They even plan to kill them with a surprise attack. 
What does opposition often do? To our memory about answered prayer. What does opposition, current opposition now do to us? Due to our memories about God's answered prayers in the past. We become forgetful, right? The story of the Israelites leaving Egypt is so interesting. The Israelites' first complaint in the wilderness came just a few days after God had divided the Red Sea so all of them can walk through it. Can you you imagine being part of that group? I would have a hard time as we were walking through the sea to really believe my eyes. And then when their enemies come after them, God brings the sea back on them and drowns them. And after that, it mentions that the Israelites believed in God. But then a few days later, they have no water. And what do they say? You've brought us out here to kill us. Does that make any sense? What what should God's answered prayer in the past have done? To the Israelites in their current problem. It should have been like, I don't, I don't know what God's going to do, but last time he parted a sea. I, I, I expect he's going to do something. Because if, if, if my God can do that, I don't think finding me water to drink, even in a desert place, is too hard for And seeing that he cared enough about me to redeem me from slavery, I believe he has a good plan for me. I don't, I don't think he was just leading me along to make me trust him and then suddenly say, ha ha, now I'm going to kill you. But that's exactly what Israel accused God of. There's another story from Jesus and the disciples where there was a a time they went to to sail across a lake. And as they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep in the bottom of the boat because he was exhausted from ministry. And a storm came. And the storm got worse and worse. And finally, when the boat was being flooded, the disciples shake Jesus awake. And they say to him, Don't you care that we are dying? Now, was that a wise question or a foolish question? It was a foolish question. Now, we might say, 
Maybe Jesus was a bit unfair with the disciples. He, he stands up and he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And all he says is peace, be still. And just like that, everything is calm. And then he turns to his disciples. And he says, where is your faith? And they might have said, we've never seen you rebuke the wind and the waves before. How did we know you could do that? But if you read the story coming up to that time, the disciples had just witnessed Jesus healing people with leprosy. Those who had demons. Those who were blind. Those who were lame. They had even seen Jesus raise someone from the dead. And we might say, maybe they had a little bit of faith. Because they, they, they didn't wake him up right away. They woke him up when the boat was finally beginning to sink. But I would say to you, that's because up until the boat was beginning to sink, who do you think those fishermen were trusting in? Don't you think they had Peter and James and John had ever sailed through storms before? Don't you think it was probably like, ah, the master is very tired. Don't leave, leave him to sleep. We can handle this. I want you to understand something. Because leaders need to depend on God. And you won't learn to depend on God until you truly become weak to, to make you a good leader. God must bring weakness into your life. Because otherwise you will deceive yourself into thinking that I trust God when actually you've never had to really see whether you trust God. You know, um, when I first came here, I very much had the, the attitude of Samson. I was strong. And I was young. And when other missionaries would talk about being afraid to move at night and being afraid of, 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 of thieves, I would say, yeah, thieves are there, but let them come. You know, I, it's, it'll, it, I'll be fine. But then, I would, but then I would say, you know, God is in control. But my trust was not in God's control. 
My trust, my trust was in the fact that the thieves would be afraid of me. And they would, and they would leave me alone. But you know, I really believed that for me, I, have, I just have greater faith in God than these other people. You know, God gave me such a lesson in that. There was a time years ago when I had, I had ruptured my disc in my back. And I could I, I could I could barely walk. And I couldn't pick up my son Holden. And everything hurt. And there was a time we had been at Lake Nabugabu as, as Eagle's Wing staff. And I was supposed to come and meet several of our post-secondary students here. Um, I believe, Frank, you might have been one of those. So it was a meeting in the, in the evening. And I knew there was this other route which led to Mukoko, but I wasn't familiar with it. And it was, in the, it was in the time when they were doing road construction there. And so I, I didn't take the correct turn I was supposed to. And do you know that I drove all the way to Bukakata before understanding I am in the wrong place? And I began, I began because I knew I needed to go to, to the north to reach the highway. But, but, you, but, but you know when you're over there, the lake divides you between the, the highway on this side coming to Mukoko and where you are there on the side of And the only way around is to go all the way back and find the right turn. But I kept, I kept trying these different village roads. And I kept running into the lake and finding fishing villages. And I had, I had no network on my phone. You know, by then we still had that, <laughs> that satanic network of orange or Afrocell. You know that... Never, never, never and I wanted to get a hold of these guys. I'm like, ah, oh, they're waiting for me. I need to, need to get there. So I, was, I was trying to find someone who could direct me. And no, one, no one spoke any English. And I would say to them, come follow the highway, come follow the highway. And they would just, just laugh at me like, Muzungu. Muzungu, you have no idea where you are. And finally, I met this one man, and he said, he said, this side, this side. And I said, Kampala Highway. He said, So I went. The road disappeared. It was swampy, and it was, it was just like the jungle came in on both sides there was no turning around and I, I thought at any moment I was going to be stuck and I began, I began fearing 
Why has this man sent me on this <laughs> road? You know, did he go to get his friends and then <laughs> they're going to ambush <laughs> me on the way And you know, previously, when I trusted in myself, because I was strong, I would have probably said, I'm going to go back to look for that man. And when I find him, you know, I'm going to tell him I didn't appreciate his joke at all. But you know, you know I just, I was afraid. I was like, even, even if he was just joking with me, I'm going to get stuck. I can't walk. I have no idea where I am. I can't call anyone. There's no one who speaks English. God, help me! And I, I think those were the only three words I said until I got God. I, that road eventually ran out and I found a place where Trucks had been getting bricks from the end of that road. And I was able to turn around and go back, and the whole way I was just saying, God, help me, God, help me. And when I, I reached back, I just, I turned around, I drove all the way back to Niendo, I finally phoned, I think it was Mugera, and I said, I'm so sorry, I've been very lost. I, I will come tomorrow morning. God wants to teach you to depend on Him. And you know, where you think you're strong, you won't be very mindful of asking God for help. And you will be like Samson. And you're just, every problem that comes up, you say, oh, it's okay, I'll take care of it. And you'll fail. Because you cannot have success as a believer unless your trust is in God. Nehemiah was not a lazy man. He didn't say, oh, everything's up to God. There's nothing I can do. No, you see him taking action all the time, right? When he was threatened with war, he said, everybody, everybody now, we're going to work with swords on our hips. But he didn't say it's our swords that are going to save us. He says our God will fight for us. So don't let your heart be discouraged. This is God's work. And he's going to carry us through. I'm going to wind up with one more illustration. Don't allow today's trouble to cause you to forget past help. Don't allow today's trouble to cause you to forget past help. And you know what God has a habit of doing? When he puts you in that situation like I was in, and you have to turn to God, and he rescues you, oftentimes we're like, 
I'm never going through that again. But you know what God does? Very soon after, He will put you in the very same situation. So this time, you can depend on God from the beginning to the end. Not just when you've exhausted all of your resources. And you say there's no one but God. But from beginning to end, you can say, God, it's you. It's you. There's a story from the life of good King Jehoshaphat that I, I love so much. It's the time, the only one that is recorded in scripture where it was the praise and worship team that led the army into battle. And I'm going to ask Masumba to read. This is from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to read from verse 5 to verse 12. And just to give you the context, a great army made of multiple nations had come against Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat had had success in the past. He had sought the Lord. And he had caused the people to obey God's law. So when an army came against him, there was reason he could have trusted in his own strength. But I want you to notice just how Jehoshaphat responded from the beginning of the trial. So, Musumba, if you can read from verse 5 to verse 12. Ao, yekosofati ya imirira mu maso ge kunganiro lya Yuda ne Yerusalemi mu nyumba ya mukama mu maso ge golujja nabagamba anti ayi mukama katonda wabajjajja fe sigwe katonda owo muguru sigwe afuga obwaka bakabona munsi oli no buyinza na amanyi tewali ayinza kukuziyiza ayi katonda wafe sigwe wagoba Abali munsi eno mumaso gabantu mumaso gabantu bo yisirayiri no no bajiwa ezaddeli ayibulayimu mukwano gwo emirembe jonna nibaberomo era bakuzimbi deyekalu okukusinzangamu okusinzizangamu ngabagamba anti obubibwe Bunatu bwebuna kutukanga ko no lutalo oba omusango oba olumbe oba enjala tunayimiriranga mu masogo genyumbe eno ne mu masogo ne tukabi ne tukabirira ne tukabirira ngatulabye enaku nawe oli ulira no lokola kale no tunulira abana bo abamoni abana ba amoni ne mwabu Nabo kulusozi seiri, bwebagana isi raidi okubalu umba, bwebali abava munsi ya misiri, 
na ye nebabera nebabeba lama nebabata bazikiriza laba chibatu tu chibatu sasura kwe kujja okutugoba munsi je watua okuba obutakabwa fe ai katonda wa fe obazize kubanga fe tetulina manyi na katono okuluanyi sa ejerino edene elitulumbye tetumanyi I love what Jehoshaphat says in verse 12. What does he say about their power? We are, we are powerless. God, we can't do anything. What does he say about their knowledge? We don't know what to do. But where are our eyes? Who are we looking to? We're looking to you, God. Fathers, cultivate this type of prayer dependence in your family. I am so grateful that in my family, that we have established a habit of praying when we come to trouble. My wife will say, first let's pray. Let's ask God. My son Holden will say, sometimes he and I are working on something. Maybe, maybe trying to put something together that's broken. Or we're trying to look for something that's lost. And Holden will say, Dad, let's ask Jesus to help us. You know, so many of you, you get frustrated with your wives bringing you problems. And when she says, what are you going to do? You should be able to say, I don't know what to do. And that's why we need to look to God. I am not the solution. We need to obey. But we need God. It's not me. And so many of you get frustrated because you are the resource you rely on when, when trouble comes. Instead of setting this example, this is the king in front of all his people. Do you think this took some humility? To say, God, I can't deliver my people. The king is supposed to fight, right? The king is supposed to have his special elite guards, right? Who can defeat everyone. But what does Jehoshaphat say? In front of everyone. God, I can't do this. We look to you. Now read verse 15 to verse 17. To see how God answers. Verse 15 to verse 17. 
Nawe kabaka yekosofati Wati wayogera mukama anti Temuti ya mwe Sote muke ngenterewa Orwejeri no edene Kuvanga ulutalo siruwa mwe Neruwa katonda Encha muserengete Muruane nabo Laba bajja kuambukira Awali nyiruwa ezizi Na mwe Muna basanga mchuonfu Wechikoma era Era edungulie yerweri Welitandikira Techija kubeta agisa kuruana lutalo Nakatoni Mujimirire uimirizi mchifo Mubifobia mwe Mulioke mulabe Obu wangu zimu kama Buwanabawa mwe Yuda ni Yerusalemi Temutia Era temutetemuka Temuterebuka Encha Mubalumbe kubanga mukama Alimu wamuna mwe what does God mention about the Israelites' part in this fight? You, you, you will not need to do what? To fight. You won't have to fight. I'm going to do it for you. Now, what would you do? Would you say... But let's have our army ready just in case God fails. You know, let's, let's, not, let's not go out there and, not, and forget about our spears and our swords Because what if God doesn't do what he promised? I want you to notice how the people respond. Let's read verse 20 and 21. Yekosofati Nasao Nasao Abo Abayimbira Mukama Nebate Nebate Abakuru Babwe Sitecho Ngabamba de Ebiambalo Ebitukufu Abakure Mberamu Eje Nabayimbi Inti Mwebaze Mukama Kubanga now I want to ask those members of the praise and worship team that are here. If, if Musumba and I sent you out to lead the battle and, and said the rest of us are going to come behind you you're, 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 you're going to face those other soldiers first would you, would you present yourself or would you call in sick that day and say oh for me I, my, voice, my voice is not feeling so strong I love this so much. Did these people have faith? What did they sing? 
Give thanks to the Lord. The battle, as far as they knew, was not won. But they were thanking God because they believed what he said would take place. Some of you might doubt and say, Ah, Pastor Alan and Uncle Jonathan, they're just trying to hide themselves so they can run away. Shouldn't it be the pastors to lead us in faith? Why are you sending me with a microphone instead of a sword? These these leaders have lost their minds. When I hear many people pray, there is such a lack of gratitude for what God has done for us. We are so forgetful of what God has done. People mention, thank you for the gift of life. After they mention, you know, others have this, Lord, and I'm still waiting for mine. You know, you let me get sick. Ah, I have all these problems. I need money. But, you know, I thank you for my life. I tell you, the conclusion of correct dependence on God is a grateful heart. Because though many are the afflictions of the righteous, the the Lord has delivered us from them all. And though we fall seven times, we know you will pick us up again. Because that's been the past. So we trust it will remain in the present. And we believe the promise also for the future. Are you depending on God? Or are you depending on yourself? I tell you, God, if you're depending on yourself today, you're setting yourself up to fall. And God's going to have to keep bringing weakness to you until you can learn I am not my strength. It is the joy of the Lord which is my strength. And I can face all things because he has told me I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your promises. We thank you for past deliverance. And we thank you for present help. And we trust you for future help. We commit our lives anew into your hands. Father, that you would bless us as we seek to glorify your name. That you would keep us in the faith. That you would grow our love for each other. And for you. And Lubumba Community Church would be a center for proclaiming your truth, for sending it out into the nations 
and glorifying not ourselves but you. We thank you for everything, Father. In sickness and in health. In joy and in sorrow. You have never left us. Nor will you. We are ingrained on the palms of your hands. And you have said that no one can take us out of your hand. And we praise you for that reality. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.